Welcome to Retina Health for Life from the President's Corner, brought to you by the American Society of Retina Specialists. I'm your host, Dr. Tim Murray, coming to you from Miami. On each episode, we'll bring you inspiring conversations about your sight and the special role the retina plays in making healthy vision possible. We'll hear from expert retina specialists, as well as directly from patients about living life to the fullest with retinal disease. Join us and learn how to safeguard your retina health for life. Hello, I'm Dr. Timothy Murray coming to you from Miami, Florida. It's my pleasure to introduce our guest and a true friend, Dr. Michael Jumper, who comes to us from West Coast Retina. He is in San Francisco, California, and an expert on retina care of his patients. Today, we're going to focus on what you can do as a patient to have a better outcome with your retina specialist. And I think Mike is exactly the person we want to talk to about this. So welcome, Dr. Jumper. Thank you, Dr. Murray. It's good to be here. It's really a pleasure to have you. So, Dr. Jumper, I know that, you know, you like, like I have a very busy clinical practice. Um, and one of the things we're trying to look at with our patients is how can we empower our patients to better understand what they can do to take better care of themselves? Could you tell us a little bit about when you think a patient should ask to see a retina specialist and give us an understanding of how they would do that? Great. Um, that That's an important question. I think that uh, our patients um, have very little understanding for the most part uh, of what is going on inside their eye, uh, as do most other physicians and other people in the country. I just think that the, uh, the eye is complex and the education around the physiology of the eye is, is not that great. And so uh, what we have to do is basically, I think, work to educate our patients uh, as early as we can on how the eye and in particular the retina works. And I think that that will help them to understand the problems that can go on in the eye and better understand the problem that's happening in their eye. Uh, I think that if they understand also the symptoms of retinal diseases, which uh, there are many different potential diseases, but many of them have similar symptoms. Uh, those, by knowing those symptoms, I think that we can also uh, empower our patients to uh, ask for care appropriately. So for instance, the symptoms of say a retinal tear or a retinal detachment, including many new floaters in your vision, flashing lights with eye movement in dark conditions, or a veil or curtain that comes into your vision. Uh, those symptoms everybody should know about because just like the symptoms, knowing about the symptoms of a heart attack or other a stroke, uh, these are symptoms uh, that I think we all should be aware of so that we can seek care appropriately. Um, the, uh, the times when a patient should be going and talking to their primary care provider uh, for potential retinal consultation are those times in a diabetic, uh, patients who have new vision symptoms, uh, as well as uh, patients who may have a family history of known inherited retinal conditions, of which there are many. I think that those are some examples of times when the patient might want uh, to, to take the initiative to seek retinal care. And one of the things we've talked about with the American Society of Retina Specialists is that we have access to 
um, the opportunity to, to look by your zip code or your city or the name of a doctor that you know to find your retina specialist. And virtually every retina specialist in the United States and within North America is a member of this society. So you can go to find your retina specialist and by Googling that, get an opportunity to find a retina specialist that's near you. And I think that opportunity to find the doctor yourself is incredibly helpful. I agree. I think that that service provided by the American Society of Retina Specialists has been one of the most used uh, of all the services that are provided. And it is a wonderful thing that every retina specialist in the United States, as well as in other countries, uh, are members of the ASRS. And that, I think, has helped everyone to better understand who's around them that could help. So I think from a patient's perspective, you need to know when you should be looking for a retina specialist and you should know how to find a retina specialist. So you, you know that you need to see a retina specialist. You found the right doctor. What can our patients do on their first visit and their follow-up visits to, to make the most of their visit and potentially do the best to preserve or improve their sight? Well, the first thing is going to and following up on those visits. That's uh, very important uh, when you have uh, a, an appointment uh, for these eye conditions uh, to kind of keep those appointments. We've learned this during this COVID pandemic when unfortunately many patients were not able uh, to get in and seek a retinal care. And uh, there was a lot of vision lost uh, as a result of that. And so I think it is very important to first of all, keep and, and follow up uh, as directed. On top of that, I think it's very important to come sort of prepared uh, to listen uh, for these at these appointments and really uh, try to kind of best understand as you can, you know, the condition that's going on in your eye and uh, really try to be engaged in what you as the patient can do uh, for, uh, moving forward. Some of those things include uh, che checking your own vision and monitoring your vision for changes. Uh, they also uh, include using the medications that have been prescribed to you appropriately and uh, continuing with them, sticking with it. It's always the case where using the drop uh, for a week, you know, might help a little bit and you feel like you might not need it anymore, but really sticking with the, tr the plan uh, long term is uh, one of the things that I think is very important. So, you know, these, the, you know, kind of the stick, sticking with it is really, I think, one of the more uh, important issues in uh, retinal care. I think that's important. So additionally, I like my patients to do two other things. I like them to kind of write questions down if they have a question, because I think most of us immediately upon seeing the doctor, our mind is almost a blank and it's really hard to, to focus on what those questions were. And then the second thing is, I think it's also helpful when you go to your exam, if you have a complicated diagnosis, um, bring someone with you. Um, in, in COVID, there were some practices where you couldn't have another person with you, but I think we're moving away from that now to allow people to have the, a family member or a caregiver with them to have a second set of ears listening to what's being said. So do you do that in your practice also? Absolutely. And it was, uh, there was a time when trying to minimize the number of people that were in our office that we did try to you know minimize the number of people but we usually had uh, especially for those patients who may not have uh, the ability to understand as well 
we would have patients, uh, uh, advocates or family members come with them so that they could also listen. Uh, we also used sort of a conference call format, you know, at times in which we would put somebody on the phone uh, in the office when the patient was there so that we could all be uh, kind of talking about it together. Lastly, uh, we are able to provide many times an electronic record of our visit, uh, either right then or soon thereafter. And so providing that is somewhat helpful. It does have some more technical jargon as we're communicating with other physicians, but uh, most of the m information is uh, quite helpful for the patient and they will understand it uh, with a little bit of questioning later. It's, it's almost like I use that first uh, initial uh, referral uh, form or the, the uh, first medical record is almost the template for them to ask questions in follow-up visits. I think that's important. I think that, you know, in the past, patients may have had limited access to their own records, but I believe that virtually every retina practice now has the opportunity for the patients to either access their records electronically or have their records printed at the time of the visit. So when one of the two things we do with our patients is we ask them to get printouts of their, of their note from their visit so that they have a written copy for themselves so they can look at it later. Um, and then the second thing that we do is we have them schedule their next appointment before they leave um, in the hopes that the patient doesn't walk out the door and, and know they need to come back, but has a problem reaching the office or scheduling the appointment. So I think we're all working together to, to provide sort of that integrated ongoing care for our patients at, that they participate actively in. I, I totally agree. And, uh, you know, when, when a patient is engaged and they're the ones asking about, hey, when's my next appointment or, uh, you know, how did I do on this test? You know, I have a feeling that that patient is going to have a better outcome because they be by being engaged. I think that it helps uh, their care plan tremendously. One of the things that really became clear through the pandemic is how these delays in care where a patient couldn't get to you. Um, really impact the potential outcome. And you mentioned how much vision was was potentially lost and, and in many of our patients truly lost because of those delays. We've seen patients where missing the appointment by even a week can have an impact on both the anatomy and the visual function. So I think that, that it's hard sometimes for patients to think that a couple of days can make such a big difference, but we try to push hard to let the patient understand that these visit dates are, are really critical for ongoing care. I agree. I, I know that I'm sure that you've had the same experience where uh, patients who were on a, a treatment schedule, particularly for macular degeneration, in which uh, they've fallen off that schedule. And there are many reasons that that could happen, uh, this pandemic being a big one. Uh, but, you know, really sad outcomes from uh, not being able to return uh, for treatment. And I think that patients need to realize the importance. Uh, we all become a little bit uh, uh, blasé about how miraculous these medicines are, especially for macular degeneration, diabetic retinopathy and retinal vein occlusion, and how uh, really effective they are but how uh, vital they are to maintain vision. And that this is, I tell my patients, this is not like giving an antibiotic for an infection in which you kill the bacteria and the infection's gone and you don't even have to think about it again. This is more like using insulin for diabetes. It's maintaining things, it's keeping you uh, seeing, but it is not 
curing the problem. And I think that, that sort of uh, way of, of conveying that is helpful for patients because they better understand that we're uh, doing a treatment for maintenance mainly. I think that's all that's I think that's all critical for the patient to understand because they're kind of like, well, my vision's not improving. I had a patient today that was 2020 and she was she was like, when is my vision going to be better? And I go, I go, you're 2020. I mean, what we're doing here is preserving that vision. That's phenomenal. I go, this is a condition with macular degeneration that before these injection therapies, you'd be blind. Um, so I, I do think that part of this is educating our patients as to what to expect. And I think when you're in the middle of a treatment course with a doctor that goes on and on and on, it, it becomes really almost even more important to explain why we're doing this because the patient doesn't always see the benefit because they've already achieved really good vision, if you're lucky. Well, you and I are, are mature and experienced enough to know a time when there was no anti-VEGF or injection therapies for especially macular degeneration. And so uh, we have patients, I do, and I'm sure you do, who in one eye lost vision and are blind because they didn't have the available treatments then when they had macular degeneration come on. And in the second eye, they do have uh, excellent vision oftentimes because they were receiving the treatments that we now have available. And so those are the patients that really appreciate uh, the, the treatments and uh, really don't, uh, don't uh, uh, gripe too much about having only 2030 or 2040 vision or even 2020 vision. They know what it can be like without. And thankfully for us, we're not seeing as many of those patients because when we're treating the first eye, we're getting such good outcomes often that the patients aren't having these blind eyes that we saw prior to anti-VEGF therapy. So I think in your office also, you use large um, formats for showing, for example, the OCT, the scans of the patient and letting them kind of participate in looking at those scans. I've found the ability to show the patient what the eye looked like last visit and this visit is particularly empowering for the patients to understand their care. I, I totally agree. The imaging that we have now is unbelievable. And uh, some of that imaging, uh, in particular, optical coherence tomography or OCT is done extremely frequently on our patients because it is so powerful in both uh, showing us the response to treatment uh, when retreatment is necessary, but it's also an incredible education tool. Patients who have had uh, multiple treatments and multiple imaging uh, studies oftentimes are the ones that can tell that things are better or worse or uh, the same because I just show them the pictures, pull them up, and they, they already know uh, how those pictures are supposed to look and when things are worse. And so, yes, I think that, uh, you know, a picture is worth a thousand words. Those pictures are very easy to understand after you kind of, uh, you know, ha after you've had a condition and been treated for a while and seen many of them. And I think it's really wonderful uh, that we have that tool for our patients. And then the other area where I see patients really um, potentially empowered here is to understand why they're on their medications and what those medications can do for them. So particularly for patients that have higher eye pressures where they have to have the eye pressures controlled with glaucoma meds, those meds, you know, maybe one or two or three times a day. And, and we're not with the patients from that visit from one month to the next. 
So it seems that that's also an area where understanding the importance and coming up with a routine or an approach to use your medications can be incredibly beneficial for the patient when they're between visits and still have ongoing at-home care. What do you do in your office for that? Well, I agree. I think that, you know, in our, uh, in our practice, you know, we do have people, many people on drops and we uh, have many different ways of trying to uh, encourage uh, the patients to use those medicines. Uh, we certainly ask every time and reiterate the importance of use of uh, these medicines and basically let them know what the consequences might be uh, by not using the medicines. Uh, also, we want the process of getting refills and uh, getting the medicines as easy as it can be uh, we try to, you know, use medicines by working with their particular insurance formulary medicines that aren't going to cost them a lot of money. And we try to obtain help when we can't uh, find a medicine that, you know, doesn't have some sort of copay uh, associated with it. I mean, we're just trying to lower the, the bar for the, the, the things that uh, keep the patient from wanting to take the medicine. And you know, finding uh, all these different ways of doing so is, I think, helpful. I think in many ways, it's so easy for the patient to find a reason not to come for the appointment or not to pick up the medication refill or not to use the drop. And and so, so much of this um, in terms of the outcome for vision and function is really totally focused on what the patient does out of our office. So I really think that's one of the things that we don't we don't talk about enough with the patients is how important what they do for their own care is for them. So we've talked about measure your vision one eye at a time, looking for central distortion, flashing lights, floating spots, curtain like changes in vision. But you know the other thing I think that that's important for our patients is to understand that the eye is just part of their entire body. So I know that you spend time talking to your patients about things they can do with their general health. You mentioned following the hemoglobin A1C for a diabetic patient. What else do you do? Do you counsel on smoking? What about vitamin therapies? If a patient's heavy or they, or they drink significantly, do you have a discussion regarding those aspects of, of their general health? Absolutely. I think that um, in uh, my practice and in, in most retina specialist practice, you know, you have become the doctor that the patient oftentimes sees more than even their primary care doctor. Uh, if I have a patient with age-related macular degeneration needing treatment, I will see them way more than any other doctor that they have. And by doing so, you can develop a pretty nice relationship with a patient such that you learn you know, what their habits might be good and bad. You learn, uh, you know, what sorts of things might be influencing uh, their outcomes. And so uh, I think that it's very important that over the time I get to know patients, uh, particularly in those first visits, that I make sure that they understand how vital, you know, all the things that they uh, can do towards their heart health is also the things that they can do towards their eye health. health. I think that uh, it's very important for them to know that controlling their blood pressure, their blood sugar, their cholesterol uh, reduces their risk of blinding eye disease. And that's the kinds of things that can empower them, most particularly not smoking. 
It's been great in this country that we've seen a, a real reduction in smoking rates, but there are still way too many people smoking. And the uh, cigarette smoking, we know, uh, increases the risk of going blind from conditions like macular degeneration by fivefold as much. And so uh, by, by reducing or eliminating smoking, we can, we can really have such a big impact on our patient's vision. And I would say that, uh, you know, spending time with patients like we do as retina specialists and talking to them uh, is very helpful. I agree with you. I find it amazing to think about the fact that we are the physicians often seeing these patients more than anyone else. Um, and that comes with the what we talk about as a treatment burden. But in many ways, it's a patient opportunity. I think the patients get to develop a rapport with us. They can ask us questions that maybe they wouldn't ask their other physicians. Um, and, they, and they know that they're going to see us over and over again. So this isn't like many of the, for example, other surgical procedures where you do a procedure and somebody else takes care of the patient. For the most part, if you and I operate on the patient or we're injecting a patient, there are patients often for life, right? Agreed. It's one of the great things about our specialty. I, I, I think that, you know, developing these really strong uh, relationships with the patients uh, in which we really have an impact on their entire health is is what I really like about uh, the field of retina. I agree. It's kind of exciting. And we've come so far with the imaging and the treatments for our patients. And, you know, it's it's been a game changer because when I started practicing, patients didn't get access directly to their medical records. And often they didn't have the opportunity to directly question their, their retina specialist. I think it's been really um, a, a more sort of cohesive, integrated approach to the care of our patients. And I think that's been one of the big game changers. We're seeing patients have vision in the, when in the past, you and I both know that, that they would have none. It's, it's, it's phenomenal how far this field has come for our patients. But I think it's critically important the patient understands that they drive a lot of what happens for their care. And, and that's what I'm hoping that with our discussion today, that, that we can pass that on to the patients to empower them to be more actively involved in their care also. Thanks for tuning in to Redna Health for Life from the President's Corner. You can watch and listen to more episodes on the ASRS YouTube channel and on popular podcast directories, including Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and Spotify. For even more information about safeguarding your vision for a lifetime, visit asrs.org patients and follow ASRS on both Facebook and Twitter. Retina Health for Life is made possible in part through generous support from the Foundation of the American Society of Retina Specialists, Allergan, Genentech, Novartis, and Regeneron Pharmaceuticals. See you soon.